Hey, welcome back to everybody to another episode of BCS Community Connections. And today on the podcast, I have Kelly Nor, I want to say it, Norgard. Yes, sir. I always say it's spelled a little weird, but it sounds just really like it's spelled, so, or it says just like it's spelled. And so Kelly is the owner of the new and upcoming Bridge Yoga, and Bridge Yoga is coming to town. Uh, you have a grand opening, like, coming our second studio, yeah, is opening yeah. in two days. Yeah, I mean, you're like on this. Mm-hmm. So uh, so we're going to get into this and we're going to talk about it. But first, I want to make sure everybody gets an opportunity to learn a little bit about you. Uh, where you're from, where you grew up, what brought you to College Station. Uh, and then we're going to talk about your business and get into the history of that. Talk about how it became where it is. Mm-hmm what it is, and what you hope it's going to end up being. So what we're looking for is where you grew up. Let's talk about where you were born and where you grew up at. Okay, so I was born in Nederland, Texas. I'm a Cajun girl. You don't know it from the name that I have now, but I was born Kelly Fontenot, and my family is from Louisiana. Um, but I've lived everywhere, all over Texas. Okay. My dad was promoted about every 6 or 12 months. We moved all the time. What would your dad do? He was TABC for the oh. state. <laughs> He's popular. Yeah. I used to work for Walmart. That's how I know how popular he is. So, yep. okay. So he moved around a lot, mm-hmm. moved you around a lot. Yep. Okay. And so College Station, how'd you land here? So in 2008, I moved to Denmark, did an expat life for about five years. And um, when I moved to Denmark, brought my daughter here to go to college mm. and she met a Brian boy. And mm. if you know anything about Brian boys, they tend to stay. Oh, yeah. So yeah. met him, married him, um, had my granddaughter, and 5,000 miles was a little too far to be. So, yeah, just a hair. Just a little. So in 2013, I picked up from Denmark and moved to College Station. So I've lived all over Texas, never here. So, so it was quite an adventure. So I'm going to ask, you talked about the expat thing for Denmark. Mm-hmm. Why Denmark? Because I was married to a Dane. Okay. Yeah. So all that's right. what brought me there. Okay. <clears throat> And then he decided that America was not for him. He's yeah. back in Denmark, which is fine. Yeah. But here I am, and I've got a granddaughter here, and I guess this is where I'll be forever. Listen, I'd love to say you're the first person that's been here on the show that's been from somewhere else other than the United States. But, yeah, I've had Russia. Mm-hmm. I've had a bunch of different places. So it doesn't surprise me from that. But coming from Denmark to College Station, <laughs> yeah, that was kind of the jump where you're yeah. like, wow, that's uh, interesting. Let's talk about how that happened. So proud grandma. Mm-hmm, very so, and you came back to college station and when you came back to college station what did you do once you got here so i have been a lifetime educator okay. 29 years in public ed um taught everything from a, a little bit of time in kindergarten to high school english i was a high school principal i've been done a lot of stuff and so i came back and got a job with brian isd okay and that's where I really began to find my roots in the community All right. um, because I knew three people when I got here, my daughter, my son-in-law and my grandbaby. That's right. So the three most important yeah, people. Exactly. Yeah. Cause I'm not an Aggie. So I didn't have a network. Right. And so I had to jump in and establish one pretty quickly. Okay. So came back, got back into the school system. Mm-hmm. How long did you stay in there? I am there now. Oh, still. so we're yes. still, we still have ties yes. back here. So you decided that while you're teaching in the education system, that you also, have this other passion that's on the side, which is yoga, right? That's so it. yoga has been a passion of yours, been doing it for how long? About 15 years. Okay. And started doing yoga? So I was a high school principal in Allen, Texas. It was about 2005, 6 And um, 
Yoga was just becoming a trend in right. the United States. Allen's a good yeah. place for that, too. Yeah. Allen's got, got, got a lot of good trends. I was going to say, yeah. we've got some friends up there, and that's definitely a yoga spot yeah. up there yeah. for sure. So, so but the interesting thing was, is when it first began to happen, it was in gyms everywhere. And so that's how I started, as right. I took yoga in a gym. Um, and then a couple years later, moved to Denmark and found myself in a yoga community in the middle of the countryside where you overlook a pasture with horses and trees. And, and I really understood at that point what this practice was going to have for my life hmm. and did a lot of work in Denmark learning about yoga. The background for yoga really is not like it's not city life yoga kind of deal. When you really get into yeah. it, I mean, it is really more meditational kind mm -hmm. of unplug, disconnect from yep. everything and really kind of plug into yourself, right? Exactly. So, so, And I learned that when I got there. I started yoga because of what we call asana. That's the Sanskrit word for the physical stuff of yoga. Got it. When I got to Denmark, I realized there's a whole bunch more. Um, from meditation to breath work, from the personal disciplines you have in your life, um, to how to create harmony. And so asana is what brings people typically to yoga. The physical stuff, the postures, right. the movement. But what you find is it is so much more than that. Yeah, it's a... It's a community that really kind of develops its own cultural, mm -hmm. you know, really kind of cultural upbringing within that little community. Mm -hmm. So everybody's sharing information. They're all talking about what they're doing as a part of their personal growth because mm -hmm. I, I hear a lot about that. I've got friends who take yoga that, again, it's the same deal. It's not just the idea of the physical. Right. The physical is it's beneficial don't get me wrong i mean that's all kind of the thing people see from the outside like i think i'm going to take yoga but there's taking yoga class and then there's doing yoga right so i think when and we'll talk about that a little bit more down the road here to kind of talk about that community that networking that cultural drive within there because really yoga kind of yoga is i'll i'll kind of reference it if there are people that aren't familiar with it i would say it's probably more appropriate to kind of say it's almost like a crossfit kind of deal maybe not the intensity to it or whatever <laughs> but its own language mm -hmm. its own you know its own involvement within that community that takes it is that, that accurate that's perfect okay good so you have a location in your location i'm gonna say current location yes main location is located off a of university mm -hmm. right so that one started when did you open that one Three and a half months ago. Yeah, right in the middle of a pandemic. You're like, hey, I got an idea. Yeah. You know. Let's bring I'm, people all together, yeah. Well, I guess at that point, you know, you're like, hey, listen, man, I'm, I'm in the school system over here. This is a passion of yeah. mine. What's the worst thing that can happen, right? I always, that's an interesting statement that I always make to people. When you're thinking about starting a business, you can talk yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. And you can think yourself right out of it. Because the first thing people think is, like, oh, my gosh, like, this is going to take money and this mm -hmm. is going to take people. And this is, you know, what if this doesn't work? And, but then it's also the same opposite conversation. Like that. What if it does, right. you know, what if it took off? So you opened this thing up three and a half months ago, got it started off a of university and right out of the gate, when you opened it up, what did you see? So before we opened, I was actually teaching online. I'd built an online community. I was doing a lot of virtual yoga and the opportunity just presented that, it was time to go back to brick and mortar. And I'd thought about this for maybe after retirement in my future. And just so many circumstances just kept unfolding right in front of me that I thought, you know what, we've got to, we got to investigate this. 
and doors kept opening. And um, from the day we signed the lease till the day we opened, 42 days. We renovated. We got memberships. Um, and our goal was to get 108 founding members because in, in the yoga lifestyle, 108 is a really important number. Um, lots of things mathematically in nature. Um, the main thing is there's these things called mala beads, and there's 108 of them. And you meditate through these things, basically saying things 108 times till you believe them. You know, I am worthy 108 times, whatever, whatever your mantra is. And so our goal was if we can do this and get 108 members in about the first six months, we might have some staying power. Hmm. We got 108 members in less than two. Nice. Um, and some of our members, there, there's a good handful who join us virtually every single class period. Um, they live in other parts of the state, other parts of the country. Um, but the bulk of our people are here local in Bryan College Station. And um, we've now exceeded 108 members. Um, we've got lots of folks who walk in, try a class here and there. But we've got a really cool core group of people who it's become what we call it. The Sanskrit word is your sangha. It mm-hmm. is your community. And um, we don't share backgrounds. We don't share professional lifestyles. We don't share our business. We share the breath every single day coming together on the mat. And then there's this intimate connection that happens that doesn't matter that I don't necessarily know what you do for a living or I don't know where you came from, but we're here together now. It's all stripped away, really. I mean, so when you get in there, identity is not necessarily what your personal identity is or even what your professional identity is. You're really building that from ground up day one as you. you walk in. Yeah, interesting. So you build these members. You have 108 that end up showing up plus, and that's exceeding faster than you anticipated. You were ready for them. I mean, I think it was the idea of like, you know, bring however many we can bring. I don't know that there's ever such a thing when you're trying to start something out. Like, I hope we don't get too big, you know, but also at that same point, when you're seeing this growth happening and it's happening at a rate much faster than what you initially anticipated, then where did your thought process go from there? Well, we started off with four instructors with our 108 folks or our, our, our core folks to begin with. And the main thing is we wanted to create a community where it was accessible yoga. Mm. We wanted to strip away some of the stereotypes. So you don't have to have a certain kind of clothing or a certain kind of mat or a certain kind of body style or a certain age or whatever those those misnomers are that people have in their head that right. you need to have all this and then come to yoga or be a certain level of flexibility just show up and and I got an instructor team together with the four of us that had very philosophically alike approaches to this that no matter who shows up in that classroom on those mats we want them all to feel like what they're doing is, is, is accessible to them. Right. Um, you don't have to show up and touch your toes the first day. You're standing on one leg. You just have to show up. And what yoga asks you is that if you show up, your mind, body, and spirit start to kind of begin to gel together, which is how you want to live your life anyway. Yeah. And so when you show up and you've got an instructor that can create that environment, people keep showing up. And so we really wanted to have classes that offered that, no matter who you are. So, and I was kind of looking through your coaches and, you also have this very diverse range of coaches as well, too, uh, that each has their own identity mm-hmm. within the organization. Each has their own uh, community, we'll mm-hmm. say, like they're responsible for a part of the community. Um, and I think that's it's an extremely valuable piece of the operation because a lot of the times, especially when you start a small business, you're like, I'm going to have to do it all. And then you're going to realize pretty quickly, especially if you're growing at the rate you're talking about, like, I'm not going to be able to do all of this. But you're also a little bit, business owners tend to be a little bit more closer to the vest with their business because 
the first reign of thought is is nobody can do it better than I can do it. You know, if I'm going to do it, I'm going to do it right. I want it done right. My way is going to be the best way to kind of move that. But then you also realize in this environment, in order for it to grow, you need that diversification of different right. thought processes, different teaching styles, mm-hmm. different methodologies. They may all come back to a centerpiece, uh, but each of those folks, I think if anybody's ever gone and either taken a class <clears throat> or worked with an instructor there are just sometimes that just they don't match. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's personality types, there's coaching styles, there's you, know, you have so many people who expect different things, right. right? Like they walk in with this expectation of how they want to be treated, how, you know, are you going to correct my form? I don't like people who correct mm-hmm. my form. Are you going to watch what I'm doing? Are you going to just glance at what I'm doing? I mean, all the overthought, right? And so those guys, when you have this diversification of coaches, these these guys now have opportunities as they come in. They can try different coaches, different right. times, and then they go, I really like this coach. I, I mean, I can speak to that right now. I, I take a, a class, and I've got a coach out of that group that I'm like, this is my guy right here. This is the one that I enjoy. doesn't mean I don't like the other ones. Just means this is the one that drives me, mm-hmm. you know, and I think also coaches, you know, when you diversify the coach level as well, too, you get different results out of those coaches. Like some of them are just, you know, they're sticklers for form. You know, it's not necessarily like I need you to lift a thousand pounds. I want you to do it right the first right. way with five pounds. You know, let's, let's make sure you don't get injured. Let's make sure you understand the why's. Uh, and then you've got some of those coaches, man, that are the rah-rah coaches. Like, mm-hmm. they just come in, and it's it's pats on the back. It's you're doing great. It's the motivation. And coaches fit in different spots. And you, you, even though there's turnover in those lines, I mean, just in the exercise world in general, coaches tend to be – gosh, I don't want to say this, and this sound terrible – commitments from coaches to stay at a location for a long period of time – is really hard to find. It's hard to find in an organization because there's always opportunity. Like if they learn to do something and they build a skill set or certifications or whatever, all of a sudden magically like other places are like talking and, hey, I've got an opportunity over here or whatever. Or maybe it's just that you were a springboard or a platform for Mm -hmm. them to be able to move out and they do their own deal. Um, and we we're kind of talking about that because you had an opportunity to work at other locations uh, that was doing yoga as well, too. But in the midst of all of that, we were talking about when you were starting your business that that the wheels were probably clicking mm-hmm. like, man, if I can run my own studio, these are the best parts of what I want to take right. to see this. And so people build off of that. They take in you know, pieces of information. They get education. They get time under belt, and they get an opportunity then to almost be an extension of you. I don't know that people like, you know, there's there's always, there's an idea of somehow that just because somebody branches out and goes and starts their own place, that somehow that's competition. Right. But there's really room for everybody. And really, I mean, you're going to build a clientele of people, people who are going to be, I, I think I referred to them earlier as your calling card, right? Like, People who talk about Kelly are talking about Kelly from knowing who she is at the yoga studio, who she is as an instructor. Your coaches know you as who you are as a, I'll put it in quotes here, as a boss, right? 
Um, but those expectations that you lay out for your business are all represented by multiple people, multiple clients, you know, so as these guys go out and their bodies are transforming, their minds are transforming, they're getting the cultural aspect of what yoga is. They essentially start telling that story back yeah. to their friends, their family, you know, it's like anything else. If you're friends with a CrossFit person, you know that they're going to tell you how great it is. You should come try it. If you're friends with a yoga person, I'm sure it's the same thing. But ultimately, it is about doing what is best for yourself. Right. Right. It's really about finding who you are in whatever platform that is. You know, in exercise, it's just the world needs more exercise as it is to begin with. It doesn't really matter what platform it is, but... Yoga approaches that as a multi-prong, a multi-prong exercise where you're bringing exercise to mind, to body, to uh, spirit. Spirit. That's the word I was looking for. I knew you were going to jump in there. You're like, come on, little, get at this. Um, so when you are bringing this new studio online and you're now seeing the fruits of that labor starting to materialize and you're two months in. You're like, whoa, this thing is growing. Is there now, because you're, well, you're in summer. Do you feel like there's going to be this push-pull coming? Well, typically, and I've learned in the Bryan College Dictionary, this is our, our lull yeah. of, of life because yeah. we've lost, you know, 80,000 people at some point. Right. Um, and so I am I'm pretty excited just about the potential we've already experienced knowing we began going into summer months and that right. we began on the tail end of the pandemic of things just, turn, you know, returning to normalcy. Um, I'm I'm totally excited about the students coming back. Yeah. Um, and, and that's a really big reason why we are opening the second location. Um, hot yoga is something that draws students. We made the decision from a financial standpoint not to put hot yoga in the, the main studio when we started just because we wanted to open very prudently so we can keep costs down and offer as much as we can at a really reasonable and accessible fair price to people. Right. And But I, my heart goes to hot yoga um, many, many times a day. I think about it and it's just the benefit of it. And so the opportunity came up that, um, you know what, there's a potential for maybe having some hot yoga as an offering as well. And so we started kind of investigating that very, very quickly. And I thought, if I really want to have a draw for students, then maybe this is an avenue that we should pursue. And so kind of here we are about to open location number two, and it is only going to have hot and heated yoga. Yeah. So that's interesting because normally at most places, somebody goes to a yoga studio. Usually that's going to be an all-in-one location. Mm -hmm. You're going to have you know, this one's a, a regular yoga class. This one's a hot yoga right. class. And they kind of overlap each other as this one ends, the new group's coming in behind. Cooling it off. And, yeah, 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 yeah. That's really a great yeah. point is, you know, you're going to now have to go from this temperature to this mm -hmm. temperature uh, or vice versa. So you have the opportunity when you initially built this. Well, I say built the studio. When you initially moved into the original studio, the the thought was there, but you were also kind of like, listen, we're leasing this. We're not sure this is our permanent location. Right. There's a lot of little things kind of playing into that. And, you know, I'm also leasing this from somebody that may not want me to turn this into mm -hmm. a hot yoga place. So then you have this opportunity to, you see the expansion happening in a very short amount of time. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, I know that this is where I want to go. And, the opportunity presents itself mm -hmm. 
and literally like right down the road from where you're at. Not even that far yeah. down the road. I mean, we're talking like across the street. Yeah. I'm on like a block or yeah. something like that. So <clears throat> you are probably at least that I can think of probably one of the first that has two locations. One's going to be main yoga. And then the, I say main yoga, that's not the appropriate term. Call but it unheated. How's unheated. That? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, it's main location yes. for yoga. I'm kind of like incorporating two different yeah. things here. And then they're going to get this opportunity to start this hot yoga studio that's going to be strictly nothing other than mm-hmm. hot yoga. And so now I can chip, I can pick and choose as I want. Like if, if I come in there, I know that all of these classes for this particular location are nothing but this hot yoga, regular yoga. Um, I know where that's going to fall. Mm-hmm. And your pricing for all of that stuff as well, too, is priced out for those particular locations. Right. So you can do... Uh, just a, a membership for for the regular yoga, or you can do a membership for the hot yoga, or you can do a membership mm-hmm. that includes both, where you bounce in between them. Right. Is that right? That's I've done exactly a little right. research here. Yeah, I'm trying to find. Good. Trying to kind of figure out we, how this goes here. We did that because I don't want someone showing up going, "Oh man, it was this class." Nope. If it's hot, you're here. Yeah. If it's the, not hot, you're here. The other interesting thing that I saw about your classes as well, too, and researching them is is you put your classes online. Mm-hmm. They don't change from week to week, though, right? No. They're pretty solid, pretty right? Solid. So, like, once you're in there, I mean, that's pretty much it. But anybody that's looking to come and try it out or come and test it, they're going to be able to go onto your website, and they're going to see that schedule. It's on there. But I thought what was really interesting in our conversation was you set your classes up on purpose to be able to record to send out virtually, yes, sir. right? So it doesn't matter that as an opportunity of being able to be a part of that class mm-hmm. or a part of the studio, I can also choose like that morning, like, you know what, man, uh, I don't want to put my hair in bun and run on in there or whatever, <laughs> man. I'm just I'm going to roll out of bed. I'm going to go to the living room. I'm mm-hmm. going to go to the back porch, wherever my little spot is. And I'm going to go do it virtually there mm-hmm. at the same time. So that class is running here at the location and running virtual at the same time. Yes. Every class. Every class. So mm-hmm. the cool thing is like I, I teach Sunrise, which is the 545 a.m. And I've got clients who will n- never come in for that class. Right. They live in Franklin, Wheelock, where, wherever they are. But they'll come in live for the evening classes. And so they're Zooming it with us. They're live. I see them on the big TV in the studio. We're talking back and forth, asking about, you know, what happened to your daughter this week, your grandbaby, whatever. And then we start the class and I hit record. And then the benefit to that is I've got live students with me. We're talking to the folks on the screen. We can see everybody who has their camera on. (laughs) And then we record it so that if you miss a class or you want to go back and there was something, maybe a new posture of I want to try that piece again. Right. They have access to a web page and it's a private portal for just our, our folks to go into and then go to a class that happened already that week. Or if they're out of town and they want to do it at a different time, they can do it. Then. So it's basically an on-demand class. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Yeah. So was this something foresight you kind of saw when you set it up? You're like, listen, I've seen what COVID did mm-hmm. to the industry, to the studios, all of that kind of stuff. So I want to make sure that I have the opportunity, not just necessarily, I mean, there are still people today who walked away from something, mm-hmm. uh, stayed home, still don't feel comfortable. Maybe they're still not comfortable in that environment uh, of being around other people or whatever. And virtual, I mean, whoever thought there would become a point that like the words Zoom, mm-hmm. virtual meetings, you know, all of these kind of things were going to go to the forefront and be at one point, a main way of communication for most businesses. Right. And so really the same thing for, you know, the the exercise industry was one of the first industries 
to have to shutter. All right. And it was it. I've talked to several gym owners in here where it was the idea that somehow the target was placed on them that they were like the super spreaders, right? right? Like you've got 15 people coming into this class in close quarters and they're all breathing on each other. Exactly. And so it became this deal like, okay, well, you know, you're just not going to be able to open and we'll tell you when you can open. And in that environment, there was a lot of unknown because in the beginning there, there were, you know, if you said zoom, nobody really kind of knew mm-hmm. what you were talking about. Um, and a lot of places weren't set up doing anything virtually. They were set up for in-house only. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden it's like, you've got to think outside of the box when you come around to COVID, you know, things are shuttered up. You know, some people go into depression. Other people are like, mm-hmm. I got to exercise to stay out of depression. Right. And so this opportunity then poses itself for a lot of businesses to start thinking outside of the box on how can I still be, how can I still keep the connection with my team? Because let's be honest, if, if you had opened the year before and you weren't set up for virtual classes and the idea now starts trickling into your head of like, okay, I've got to check in with my folks because if I lose contact with Mm -hmm. my people, then they're just going to kind of naturally fade off. And you've got some people that are out there, Maybe they did get furloughed from their job. So now they're sitting there going, okay, can't afford certain things. So I've got to figure out where am I going to cut that at? But if you readily are able to make things still available to where it's as, I guess, natural, normal, Mm -hmm. whatever word, hate the fact that we talked during times of COVID saying that this is the new normal or whatever, but normal being the idea that you can still keep connections, still keep community, still keep one-on-one visibility with people uh, to stay connected, that you don't run the risk of losing those folks in the midst of all of that. So when you opened it, obviously you opened it with the idea of like, okay, I want this to be able to stay virtual so that not just for the purpose of here's another benefit, but also for the idea that like if something happens again, we, pivot. we could always move yep. into this realm. And for our folks that are already comfortable with it, great. For our ones that love the community of face-to-face seeing people every day when they come to class, it still gives them another avenue to stay connected back as well too. And I think virtually most exercise studios ended up having to go into some realm of that. I don't think a lot of them went full bore though. It was like, Okay, these classes we're going to make. Mm-hmm. Even when they came back on board, I think I think a lot of them still got into the the lane of well, we're back, so we'll just do a couple that are virtual. But in your world, you're like, I want it all to be virtual. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't care where you are in the world. I don't care if you move away. Just because you move away doesn't mean right. you know we let you go from the community and. I mean, you know, you'll find community somewhere else. We still want you to be a part of this community. Well, and even traveling. I mean, we opened into yeah. the summer months. People are starting to vacation again, and I'm seeing people with a beach background, or they're in the woods, or they're at the aquarium, and they're doing yoga with us. So it's yeah. like, it's just a cool thing to see that it has become, I don't know, the new normal, but it's just become natural. Yeah. There's not a stumbling block to it any longer. So let's talk about, okay, so I'm in the market to try it, right? Like, okay. I want to go into yoga. And we were talking before we came on air about, there's this stigma that's attached to yoga. Stigma that tends to be attached to yoga, this is predominantly a female-driven exercise industry. Uh, but that's not necessarily the case. I mean, you're speaking to me going, look, I've, I've got a class of mostly all guys. But I think what it is is, is the idea that men 
I, I won't speak on it. I'll let you speak on it. Okay. Let's when men come to your class, and let's say it's the first time. What are the hurdles that you see with them? So the first hurdle is getting them there. Because there right. is the stigma that not only is there a gender associated with, there's a body size, there's an age, there's mm. a look. Mm-hmm. And so when we opened, um, our first core belief says, we believe yoga can be accessible to anyone. And so we just need you to show up. You show up and we're going to get through the stumbling blocks. We're going to leave, we leave the shoes and the keys in the hall. We're going to leave the ego with it. So if you just can leave that ego out there, um, you know, it's really funny. I've, and this morning I did, I had all men live. It was really funny that that happened today, but I've had classes where I look out and I'm like, and I'll, I keep it real light. So is yoga for sissies? No, ma'am. No, ma'am. It's not. <laughs> and it's not that we're trying to work you or prove something, but when you start to really tune into this body awareness and instead of just always contracting your muscles, now you've got to begin to expand and lengthen and to find balance and find posture and, and tap into those joints that maybe we haven't been so kind to for a while. Right. Um, you learn that there's some places in your body that you just haven't been listening to. And that, and that really is what yoga does. The word yoga in Sanskrit means yoke when you translate it. And we're yoking mind, body, spirit. And if all you ever do is show up for body, your mind is the block. Your mind is the stumbling block. I can't. I, I, you know, I, I have so many things I need to do. Your spirit. I, you know, I, I'm not good at this. I'm not worthy of this. I don't deserve this time. I have so many things I should be taken care of. But if you can connect those three, your body actually can start to do things because your mind and your spirit are like affirming. And, and you know, you got this. You, you trust yourself. Um, and I say all the time, I need you to breathe. Breathe through the wobbling. Breathe through the shakiness. Right. And eventually it gets better. Right. Yeah, just like anything that you take on for the first time. It's going to be hard to begin with. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when you're walking in, first off, I'm just for the guys out there, if you're thinking about taking yoga, they're not going to make you wear yoga pants. We pre- yeah, we maybe prefer that you not. <laughs> please, please don't. Please don't do that. Yeah. Uh, especially if there's a virtual option on that. Don't, don't do that either. Uh, it may be comfortable at home, but keep them at home with the camera off. Um, so when they come in, you know, I'll, I'll use myself as an example. Mm-hmm. If I walk into the class, I know right out of the gate, like, Okay, as soon as you say, okay, we're going to bend over and touch our toes. Well, I can't touch my toes, mm-hmm. right? And so there's going to be a lot of thought process in that first student that's going to be, I can't. Yep. Or, you know, man, they make all this look so easy. Not really realizing, like, everybody probably to an extent was a first-time student at some point. Right. Probably couldn't do a lot of these things. The interesting part is, is when you get into class and you start doing these things, that same perception that it is, predominantly a female-driven exercise industry also is this perception that it's it's just stretching and it's just, you know, <laughs> holding a bunch of poses and that's easy. Anybody can do that. And then you get in there and you realize, like, holy cow, not only is this getting into this pose that's really difficult for me to begin with, mm-hmm. but we're going to hold this for how long? Yep. We're going to breathe for how long through this? You know, and so once... I, virtually every single guy that I have talked to that has gone and taken a yoga class when they walked out are like, holy crap, this was hard. Yep. And my body feels it. It's not, you know, it's like you were saying, like guys tend to think in the idea of, okay, well, I need to go lift some weights, right? I need to push some weights around and challenge some muscles and everything else. Not realizing that really challenging muscles works multiple ways. Elongating your muscles, mm-hmm. putting those to stretch, uh, still grows. I mean, ultimately in growing muscle, you, what you're doing in yoga is you're really leaning and then leaning that muscle out as well too. 
but paying more specific attention to muscle groups in the process of that, yep. giving more flexibility, more ability for that muscle to work better for them. Uh, so that it really has this benefit across the board. I mean, it's not necessarily that they got to be 100% on for yoga, but yoga can help weightlifting. Yoga can oh help, goodness, yes. you know, yeah, day in, day out routine, being sitting like, at you your know. desk. Yeah, absolutely. So as they're, as they're continuing this process of learning that, like you said earlier, yoga is not for sissies, you know, now all of a sudden they also become really a testimony for other new people that come in as well, yeah. too. Like, yeah, dude, don't, don't worry about it. I've been there. I remember, you know, it, it does get better. You will, you know, and advice, pieces of information. You know, a coach can't give it all right at one point in one class. But as a part of the community base, you know, there are people who can sit there and share like pieces of information like this really helped me mm-hmm. when I got, you know, when I was really sore, this is something I did when I got home. You know, preparation work like, hey, this is coming up. Here's some things that you may want to prepare for. Probably not a good idea if we're going to go in stretching, leaning out muscles that you go out and have a really high sodium-based meal with lots of carbs the night before. You're probably not going to feel great that next day coming in. But that's also a part of the community base for what we were talking about, mind, body, spirit, is it's not necessarily like we all eat kale and we all listen to... What is the yoga music that's associated? We to all it? sit around and chant. Yeah, yeah, we chant. You know, Sade is playing in the background <laughs> with candles and incense and all that stuff. I mean, it, it's not that. It is the idea of listen. It is an, a journey, mm-hmm. right? It is a journey of the idea. Like you can do these things in class. You're going to benefit yourself if your nutrition is right, mm-hmm. if your water intake is good, if you're treating your body with what your body is telling you that it needs, right? There's a little weirdness that goes with some of that stuff because the internet is a great place for making things weird, right? Like, you know, this yogi that's out there that's all of a sudden going, I'm going to put this water in front of me, and if I lean into it, my body says that it wants it kind of stuff. You know, I mean, there there are people that kind of associate some of that stuff to what it is and then when they get in there realize hold on man this is not this is not what i thought this was and there are certain things that definitely don't lend a lot of help into that industry that other people say show do you really kind of you really dive back into what it is to practice yoga it's not necessarily just practicing yoga is not just, hey, that class is coming up tomorrow for one hour. Practicing yoga is a lifestyle change. It is a thought process change. It's really how you look at life in general, right? So, and I was telling you beforehand, starting martial arts and doing that at a very young age, it really was mentally trained up to understand that you know, martial arts isn't about fighting people. It's not about just defending yourself. It's also sometimes just about having the ability to walk away, mm-hmm. you know, to know what's right, what's wrong. So it's really just pieces of information being shared back to make people better humans. Is I that good? say that often. Man, you are very golly, good. You think Yoga was... is not just standing on one leg. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Downward dog, right. you know, yeah. I know a couple of these poses and that kind of stuff. 
what is funny is I had somebody that worked here that took a yoga class and they're like, they were looking at me like you would die if you came to the yoga class. I'm like, well, that makes me want to go take it right oh there, goodness. you know? So, but it is the, the people who truly practice it are the ones that they're the guys going, you know, what would work great for you? You know, what would help you? This has really helped me. It's helped me balance my life. It's helped me balance my, my mental acuity to, to life mm-hmm. in general, to things that are thrown at me to stress. I mean, all of that stuff. Uh, and I find, I mean, you can exercise at any given point of the day. I'm the early bird guy. Like, get it in, get it done, and boom. So I'll see you in sunrise. Boom, check. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, so. I, man, it's it's early. <laughs> I mean, my current exercise plan, I get up at 4 a.m. and start my day. Uh, it's not it's not always great. It's not always warm and fuzzy. But you know what? The one thing that we, and we were talking about this morning when I was in class was, when it's all said and done, you just go, man, I just feel so much better. Yeah. Just that you just, you accomplish something while most people are still in bed sleeping, mm-hmm. right? And it's just a good, it's a good ramp up to the day. So I want to go back to your coaches for a little bit, because I think it's also important to understand <clears throat> there are industries and there, I don't want, let's don't say industries. There are locations and places and organizations that don't necessarily have a high standard for practice certifications, hours under their belts, uh, really an expectation of learning before they get in there and start teaching classes. And so I'd like you to talk a little bit about what your expectation is Mm -hmm. for your coaches that you bring on board and what you're working them towards so that people also understand like, you know, I'm not going to come into your yoga class find Lowell teaching it, am I? I mean, what what do you what when you opened the studio and you started bringing your coaches in? Mm-hmm. What were you looking for in those coaches? What kind of certification expectations do you have of them? And how do you see that the diversifications really kind of helped you in that process of bringing other people who mm-hmm. think a little differently, uh, who maybe don't have the same expectations but have different outlooks? Um, into the business how did that help you so to teach yoga there's the basic certification we call it 200 ryt which is your um yoga certification so you've got these registered hours that you've done 200 hours um at a minimum that it covers everything the philosophy the history the anatomy Mm -hmm. the meditation the subtle energies i mean all the parts of yoga as well as the form and the correct cueing of how you're going to confidently lead students to get into whatever, the, whatever these postures are. Right. And so within that 200 hours, you know, typically people will take that across months. Um, every now and then there's you know a more compacted kind of approach to it. But typically it's over time because ideally, as you're learning these things, they then change your own practice as a student. Right. Because you don't just become an instructor and stop practicing. And so you continue your own practice as you're learning these things to begin to lead others. And a lot of folks that I've learned, because I've led teacher trainings for, for a while, I've had lots of folks come underneath me and go through this, that um, I'd say less than half get into teacher training to teach. Hmm. They get into it to deepen their own understanding. You know, why do we do this? Why do, why do they talk about this? What does this mean? Um, they want to deepen their own practice. And then somewhere along the line, it turns into an opportunity to teach. And then the gift of yoga, um, there's a word called seva, which is your service. And so yoga is like this gift that you should then give to others. Mm. And so, yes, I want to give you my knowledge and my experience, and I don't want to use the word expertise, but the the credentialing that I have. Sure. 
But what I want to do is I want to give you this gift because I've learned how to have balance in my life. And I've learned how to like myself and to be happy with the person that I am and to, to make better decisions that benefit me as a human being. And if I can give that to you, just so happens I have this certification that goes along with it that maybe, you know, you can learn some things along the way, then to me, that's the gravy. And so as these guys come in, mm -hmm. do most of your coaches that you bring in already have certification of 200 under yes. their belt? And, okay. and there's a couple, including myself, that have what we call the 500. Uh, there's so many different levels. So once you've taught over a thousand hours, then you start adding letters to your certification. And then once you've gone through additional certification, there's a few of us that have 500 hour. And then after that, it gets to the thousand. And then, you know, sort of like think about a bachelor's, master's and a doctorate of yoga, if right. you want to just break it down that way. Um, but the idea is once you have it, then what have you done with it? Like, what is the, what's the area that brought you to yoga? And then what have you done to basically exercise that gift towards someone? Right. Um, how are you impacting the community? What, what does that look like for you? Or is it just this, this gift that you keep all to yourself? Um, so when we first began, there were four of us. Um, I've got three other instructors and myself that opened the studio. We're now at 11. As we launched the hot studio, we're, we're up to 11 folks. But I needed them all to represent something different. I didn't want a bunch of Kelly Norgards running around. Right. And then I wanted my people who, who come to my classes and who connect to me to trust me enough that whoever I've chosen to hire and to bring in, that you're going to get the same quality experience with just a different approach over here. Right. So don't come to the bridge to take all of Kelly's classes. Come to take everybody, you know, get this wonderful sampling. Um, I've got one girl who I was actually her director of teacher training. She went through her certification under me and, and a group of, of other instructors. And she shared within the first two days she came to yoga as um, late in her high school years because of extreme anxiety, mm. bouts of depression, um, some eating disorders, and just some, some struggles that a lot of our young girls in schools are going through that nobody even knows about. Right. She discovered a yoga class, and she was hooked. It doesn't mean her anxiety is cured. It doesn't mean that she doesn't maybe need some help along the way, but that has been her vehicle for changing her life. And so when I asked her, I said, look, this is what I'm about to do, and I think I'd like you to come teach for me. And she had taught a few classes here and there, but never as a, you know, a regular ongoing formal thing. And I said, I'd like you to tell me what kind of class you'd like to teach. I don't even have the schedule made up. I kind of know, you know, a sampling of what I want us to do, but you just come to me with your ideas. And so about a week later, she sent me a message. She said, what about a class that's for mental health? I mm. said, give me the description and tell me what it's going to look like. Who's it for? She's like, it's for everybody because <laughs> everybody needs mental health. Right. And so she designed this class based on what yoga gave her. And it has become the most beautiful thing to watch. Um, we call it yoga for mental health, which on the surface could be a stumbling block for folks to attend because they think, oh, I don't go to counseling, so I don't need that one. Right. Okay, you all need this one. Right. And it's slowly over time begun to grow because people are writing reviews about it and they're tweeting it out or putting it on Instagram of, oh my gosh, Laura's class on mental health. Like, yeah, I moved my body, but what I got from my heart and my spirit, like I'm ready to go out and we call it take this off the mat. I'm ready to go live my life now. Right. And it doesn't mean that they're fixed or cured or whatever, that anxiety won't come back, but they've got one more tool just from one meditative idea that she gave them or one mantra that she shared or one just, in fact, Tuesday night, her class, I had two people, one wrote a review and one told me directly, she made herself vulnerable and told just a smidge of her story. And I realized, oh my gosh, she's up there leading us and she's just like me. Right. And so by her doing that broke down so many walls and barriers that people realize it's not just standing on one leg. It is emotional and mental and spiritual health. 
Well, and they see themselves in a part of somebody else's story, whether that's the journey through, whether that's the story of, whether that's the combination of both. They see themselves in that world and they can then relate Mm -hmm. and there's a bonding that happens in there for somebody sharing that their struggles, their journey, their, their mindsets Mm -hmm. through things, because they're probably talking to someone who was where they were. Yeah. And so then that person has this instant bond back and it's typically, I mean, exercises its own form of therapy, right? There's a lot of things that happen. You can talk to scientists and they're going to tell you that things are happening in your brain. Chemicals are being released things that are working in favor of helping you mentally and coming through COVID and things like that, where people, you know, maybe they took time off. Maybe they quit exercising. Maybe they're still in that role of trying to kind of figure out like, where do I want to start my exercise journey back at? Like, you know, yeah, I'm here. And I realize, you know, I gained 20 pounds of Doritos and hamburgers and pizza and, you know, delivery, whatever, you know, so that that happened, but maybe their journey looks different at this point now, Mm -hmm. because it's not just the idea of, okay, I've got to get my body back in shape. It's also, I've got to get my mind back in shape because they've literally come through something that probably, I mean, what generation can we look back at saying that they found and fought this same struggle? Right. And so when you can link yourself in with something that allows you to flex, not only your physical muscle, so to say, but a mental muscle as Mm -hmm. well to look at things differently. That challenge is really kind of what hooks people. It's like, okay, this isn't just exercise. Just much like you were saying, yoga is not just about poses and standing on a leg. It's these three things that are interlocked. And what do you say when you say mind, body, spirit? What all does that include? Well, you know, give me a really big piece of paper so I can write all that stuff down for you. And we'll probably still leave a bunch of stuff off. Here's an interesting question that I have for you personally, though. How do you feel that yoga has helped you in your professional school life? So, you know, mindfulness has kind of become the buzzword for the last, however, not not very long. It's been around a long time. Mm -hmm. um, And we talk a lot about mindfulness and people need things to become mindful, to pause, to breathe, to, to regulate emotions. And what we found in public schools is over the last, you know, five, six, maybe even decade, um, we've got kids coming with a lot different baggage than they've ever come with before. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been in this, I've been in public education for 29 years and I can tell you it looks very different. Um, we didn't have social media 29 years ago, so I don't know if that's part of the influence. Or Thank I could guess, God. I don't know, I could, we didn't even have email. <laughs> I, I can make a lot God. of guesses about what's caused the change, um, but I just know that there are kids and there are even young teachers showing up with different kinds of emotional struggles or different kinds of trauma that we've never encountered in public schools before. Or if we did encounter it, they were kept so hidden. Mm-hmm. We didn't have to have tools to, to combat them. And so I am often called because within my realm of my, my role in Brian ISD, I'm often called in because we've got people who are out of answers, out of answers on behavioral struggles or, you know, how to engage this kid or what, you know, what do we do in this environment? And I would say that a, 99% of the time, it all relates back to what's happening on the inside of that person. Sure. Whether it's the adult or the kid or the community within that entire classroom, <clears throat> the ability to recognize and regulate my own emotional responses to things. If I don't have that, I'm going to choose wrong. Right. And I believe in public schools across the nation. We, if I say we need yoga, people are going to picture 
um, people standing on one leg. No, we need the yoga mindset, right? which is about self-discipline and self-study and introspection and loving yourself enough to make good decisions. Not only what you put into your body, but how you conduct yourself, what you look at on your screen. And if we can start to bring that into public schools, oh my gosh, to me, people say all the time, Kelly, what's the silver bullet for education? How do we get test scores up? How do we do this? Okay. I'm telling you the silver bullet for life is this. Right. Um, but there's still a lot of barriers. You know, Alabama just now overturned the laws against yoga that have been in place for decades. So now they can start to have yoga in schools um, because they were so afraid that it was anti-Christianity. Okay, yoga is not a religion. Right. It came from India. It has some connections to the, the Hinduism and the lifestyle. It's got some Buddhist components of just things that we've learned from the good life that um, that we've learned from those lessons. But at the core of all of this, I've researched this for so many years that from Christianity to Native American beliefs, to Buddhist, to Hinduism, they're all at the core. Be calm and peaceful and like yourself. And if you can do that, you're going to make better contributions into the world. And so if we can do that in public ed, there's your several, several bullet. So, and re- quite honestly, I mean, you know, I was telling you, I studied martial arts for mm-hmm. 40 years. And, and what you find in these types of studies, we won't refer to it as exercise. We'll refer to it as studies, right? In these types of studies is what you find is, is the physical world around you of the things that, that bark for your time. You know, you were referring to mm-hmm. like screen time and television and just just society in general of what's important what's not important when you're in those studies you really start to understand like your world is as complex as you want to make it right the the environment that you build around you and that you allow to speak into your life or to take your time is going to also end up being the thing that's going to drive more chaos right the more your attention has to be spread the more that there is a calling for you to, hey, look at me over here. Mm-hmm. Oh, I need your attention over here. Here's a text message. Here's an email. You know, here's a friend that's calling. Oh, this one wants to FaceTime. This one's Zooming. The more pull there is in your life, the more complex things become in your mind about what life really is. And in these moments where you can almost just kind of stop everything around you and just focus in on what you're doing. Nothing else matters in this moment. Like when I, you know, we do meditation as well too uh, in in martial arts. And really what we're focusing, we're focusing probably the same kind of stuff in yoga. We're focusing on breathing. Mm -hmm. We're focusing on thought process. Like what, you know, not necessarily like find this one thing and just focus on it. It's really more so the idea of let all of these other things go that are crowding the room in your mind. And let's go down to the bare minimum of what you're going to need right now. All you need is a breath, you know, right now, all you need is that breath to regulate. So here we are. We want you to pay attention to this. And if you meditate well and do it long enough, Man, I don't want I don't want to get too far out into space here because you know where this is probably leading, leading to. But it does have a transcendental kind of meditation that happens where it's almost kind of like you leave the realm, whatever that looks like. And I know this sounds again kind of spooky spiritual kind of stuff here, but uh, I've been there done that. I think so, it sounds fantastic. So uh, I mean, yeah, I mean I've been there done that, so I understand. And it is this it's it's this idea of like 
you almost push out to come back to reset where your center is. And so, you know, it's, it's this way of, it's almost flexing the internal struggles and everything else. It's like, you can imagine that weighing down on you and just taking these deep breaths and then just flexing that out to where it's almost like they break off of you. It's like having a shell around you. That's really encapsulating what, what it is that you have the ability or what you think you have the ability to do to kind of re-break that back down and hit the reset button and start Mm -hmm. over. It's refreshing. It's definitely re-energizing and it is kind of the true focus of, of where you want to start uh, your day out at where you want to start your exercise out where you want to be centered up and focused because you're losing out on some of that stuff if your attention is being drawn in other locations it's a lot of the reason why you go into a studio or whatever they don't want your phone right next to you right you know it's one other thing to draw your attention to they want your focus to be right where you're sitting right where you're at and focusing again on yourself and on what your instructor is asking for so, and, and the reason that popped in my head to ask you about how that's helped you in your professional life is because, again, in the school system, in public education, there's not only the draw of the fact that you have all these little mini humans that are running around everywhere that are all trying to vie for attention, but then they all have things that are on them that are vying for their attention. Maybe they have cell phones. Maybe they have tablets. Maybe they just have friends that are around. Everything that's kind of complexing everything up in their world. And this is where they grow up at. You know, you, you were talking earlier about when you and I grew up, we grew up in an environment where we didn't have cell phones. There's no, you know, if we want to take a picture, it was on this thing called a Polaroid or you know, a little cube camera where, like, you know, you can only get, like, so many. I'm really, flash, yeah. <laughs> you can only get, like, five flashes out of it. You got to change yeah. the cube on top, and then you'd have to wait, like, ten days to go get it processed. Um, gosh, man, I'm really taking this back here. Uh, at least they weren't sketching mm-hmm. it. You know, it wasn't like, you know, portraits or anything. Um, so you have, you have all of these things that are vying and we come from a place that we are in the middle of like, we understand that it's important. We understand that we'll justify these things by saying they've made our lives easier more organized but really i mean it is more it is more pull Mm -hmm. it is one more thing and and then you'll you'll find it you probably man i bet there's probably 95 percent of the people that will listen to this podcast that are like i have found myself in moments doing things i didn't realize i was doing with a cell phone in my hand you know like i'm just a text comes across and i'm having a a great conversation with a friend or a family member or whatever and for whatever reason that built-in reactionary part to that device is reach in my pocket while I'm talking, look at it, put it back in my pocket, you know, or reply to it even in some cases. And so it is a disconnected world in the most connected time we've ever been in. But yoga really wants that to, to come back and center to connected with you Mm -hmm. first with your environment around you and then push that connection out to other people not by calling them, not by texting them, but actually making that personal connection back through what you're learning in the process. So benefits, let's talk about benefits. I mean, 
So you have a main place where you're doing regular yoga and you have a hot yoga. So I want you to talk about benefits from both. Okay. We definitely know, and I think we've talked about like flexibility and things mm-hmm. like that, but let's talk about just longer benefits that are out from that. What can people can expect if they're going into yoga class, something that they're looking to commit into? What are some of the benefits that they're going to see from that? So the first time you step on the mat, you've got to find connection back to your body. So I, in fact, just this morning I said, I need, while we were sitting and centering and getting quiet, I said, I need you to notice from how you slept last night, where are the spots that need just a little more attention? Because we all have creaks and groans and aches and spots and injuries or whatever we've done. Mm -hmm. And so you need awareness because if you don't have that, frustration is going to set in very, very quickly because you're going to feel limited. And so if you can recognize I've got this spot here and if I can just breathe to that spot, pay a little more attention, know that the left side is going to work a little easier than the right side today or whatever the situation is. Mm-hmm. If you do that and you have body awareness, then all of a sudden you're ready to challenge yourself a little bit more. And when I say challenge for some people, it's the ability to take the foot off with the heel and just touch the toe on the mat. Mm-hmm. For some people, it's taking the leg, you know, straight out from the hip. It's going to look different from person to person. Mm-hmm. And I, and I, and the folks that teach for me will say this often, don't look around. You need to look inside, and we call that dristi. That's the, the Sanskrit word for it, your gaze. And while we think our gaze is here, really your gaze is coming back right here into the center of you. Mm. And if you can start to look in and realize, okay, if as long as I keep breathing and I'm present, I'm not already planning something for five minutes, I'm not worried about what happened yesterday, I am present. And the benefit is going to be body awareness. Mm. And then from that, I start to learn, okay, I've got this body awareness. Now, what do I need for this? Well, it's my hips, it's my joints, it's my balance, it's my whatever. Well, there, there's going to be certain types of yoga classes that are better for whatever those things are. Mm-hmm. So the more you have, if you walk into yoga and say, hey, I, you know, I want to lose 30 pounds in six weeks. Okay, I don't have a class that I can prescribe to make that happen. I need you to come in and let's find the body awareness of what's the, the spot. What spot do we need to work on first? And as we begin to, maybe it's your joints, maybe you, your, it's your knees, it's your hips, whatever. You take a class where we tap into that myofascial tissue around those joints, and all of a sudden you feel more flexible, and it's like, oh my God, it's like a, a chemical reaction is happening where I actually can move my hips now. Then we can go to the next point, mm-hmm. and we can begin to build core strength or arm strength or whatever it is that is you know, your ultimate goal. Um, but you got to have body awareness, and it's not just the awareness of, I don't like my body. Okay? That's not what we're looking for. I need you to know the spots. Know where you feel like, okay, there's a limitation here. Let's talk about that. Now, how can I come and give you something that's going to help that limitation start to lessen? And when you have that, um, there's a word, and I don't keep giving you all these Sanskrit words, but there's a word in Sanskrit that's called santosha. And it basic, it translates literally to contentment. But what it means is falling back in love with your life. And when you can be so in love with who you are, you want to do the very best that you can to take care of him or her. Like you want to take care of that person so well. So I'm going to keep showing up and I'm going to eat a little better and I'm going to drink a little more water and I'm going to push myself a little more. Um, my significant other, you know, when you live with somebody that is so into this world, um, you can't help but just learn things. And he's very, has since the beginning been very into the spiritual side of it, the meditative side of it, the, the self-awareness, but the physical piece, he saw it as a barrier and a limitation. And even whenever I was teaching virtually, that was not, he, you know, kind of, dabbled with it here and there but the, when we opened up live he said okay i'm gonna come tell me three classes a week which three should i do so i kind of made him a little plan and i said if you'll give me 90 days 90 days let's gauge your flexibility from here to 90 days mm-hmm. and let's see so after six weeks of him coming every now and then he'd miss one here and there but pretty consistently three times a week he said after the sixth week he said all right i don't need 90 days i'm ready to tell my story He's like, so make a post, do whatever you want to do. Tell my story. 
And so I had a picture of him in a posture. And so he kind of gave me some words about, you know what? Are there still things about my body I need to work on? Do I still have, you know, parts that I want to make? Heck yeah. But the flexibility, the centeredness in my head, the connection with my breath, now all of a sudden I can touch my toes. Because for him, that was a goal, leaning over. And every now and then he'll say, did you see my malasana today? Which is, you know, the yogi squat where we're all deep down. I'm like, yep. Did you see my warrior three? And he'll just say, because he's understanding now. Oh my God, my spine is healthier. I, I have alignment. I have health inside my joints. I can do things. And I'm not worried about work or this or that. I'm right here and I'm right now. And so to me, that, that says it all. I said, you know, you give me 90 days. And he said, I'll need it. Six weeks. Well, and being present. And I don't know, man, if, if we can emphasize enough what you were saying earlier about being in touch with what your body's telling you. Mm-hmm. You know, when you talk about injuries, things that happen to people, it really starts happening for two purposes is mainly where I see it at one of the looking around, you know, you're going, okay, well, everybody else is doing this. So I'm obviously, I just, I need to try harder, try harder sometimes lends into push. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I'm going to get there today. This is going to be the class or you feel like I'm not accelerating at a pace that I've seen other people accelerating. Like the world teaches you to compare. Right. Mm -hmm. And, like you were saying earlier, and I want to emphasize on that, the journey is really the journey within you. It's not necessarily how you're comparing against the person who started on day one with you. I mean, I can think when I started day one in martial arts, I started at eight years old. There was no such thing as kids classes or anything along those lines. If you wanted to take martial arts, you took it with adults as well, too. There were people who started on the same exact day that I started at that advanced faster than I advanced at some point and vice versa. There were people that I advanced faster than they did, but their abilities also changed through the process. Mm -hmm. Their ability to be able to tap into what their body could do really working through because what we're doing in there is we're really mastering and, and repeating the same movements over and over to Mm -hmm. perfection, right? And then that perfection then leads to next level learning, blah, 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 as you kind of go through. But you also understand, like, what is your body telling you? If your body is telling you that, listen, man, that hamstring's a little tight today, Mm -hmm. and and just be aware of that as you're working through this. Let's don't try to power through stretching Mm -hmm. it out and popping it. Let's go through this process, working it through. Today might not be the day. Might be tomorrow, might be next week, but let's work through this process of kind of seeing what your body is telling you. I find myself in in classes now, like I'll grab weights. I really don't look around to see what the other guys are grabbing, and I probably if I if I focused on that, I would definitely be sitting there going, "Gosh, dang man, you know, I'm almost fifty years old, man, and I'm over here grabbing these fifteen pound little girly weights, and you know, David's over here grabbing fifty pounds, you know, but it is the idea of humbling, like you were saying earlier, humbling yourself to be able to go, my body is telling me that today's not the day. Don't go over and let's show off and show out here and then get carried out here mm-hmm. uh, because I've done something that my body told me not to do and I knew better. I think almost every injury to an extent that happens within an exercise Within an exercise field of someone, someone can probably tell you, you know, I knew better or I could feel it or right before that injury happened, this happened. And so that that 
being in tune with what your body is telling you to do is a day in day out process, mm-hmm. almost hour by hour for a lot of folks. I can wake up in the morning, my back can be aching and I can go through this process of stretching it out and doing some things to help. But then at the end of the day, it may be my legs. It may be my arms, depending on what I'm doing for that day. I mean, so your body is always, your body is a constant feedback center, right? Like it's always on. It's not the idea that, you know, oh, my body didn't tell me these things were going to happen. They're there. You just either hear it or you don't hear it. You either feel it or you don't feel it. And so challenges for people who get into that is the idea of like your journey is starting within you right here, right now. And it's going to look different for every person, everybody. There's not going to be this, hey, by 90 days, you should be able to be doing this. And if you're not, you're not working hard enough, Mm -hmm. you know. Those are, they're, they're huge challenges in like a CrossFit environment where everybody around you is, looks like they're slinging weight. You're walking in there for the first time going, oh my gosh. And really what you're missing in the visibility of all of that is, yeah, there's some weight being slung around here, but it's being slung around in a certain form and fashion. You know, it's understanding when your body's tired mm-hmm. so you don't overcorrect, undercorrect, and hurt yourself. You know, so it's, I'd imagine yoga is probably that same deal. You're, we're not sitting here throwing around 50 pound weights, but you are carrying around body weight the entire time that you're doing it. And it is pretty dang amazing to think about like if I get down into a squat and I hold that squat, I don't care. What I think my body is, my body is going to tell me something in the first 10 seconds, yep. in the first 20, 30 minute. You know, there, uh, there are feedback loops that happen with your body that tell you, you know, man, I remember when I can only do this for this long. Mm-hmm. And I'm sure that it's got to be great to work in an industry where people's stories are being written chapter by chapter, class by class, right? And then you see that person come back, like what you were saying, your significant other is sitting there going, I don't need 90 days, man, in 60 days I've gotten here. Now, 90 for you is like I'm trying to give you a a really broad Mm -hmm. platform for it to be on here. Right, so you can say, I'll give up after 90. Right. Just stay with me for that long. Yeah. You don't give up. Well, listen, you know, in much the same way, it's what's really interesting about 90 days, I'm surprised you brought that up, but... You know, here at work, when we bring somebody in, we have a 90-day probationary period. There's something very interesting that happens in that 90 days. I always have said that people can't fake things for 90 days. Like, you're either in or you're out. Mm-hmm. And people tell you what they want to hear to get hired on at a job. They they present themselves a certain way. I always say, like, at the moment that you, you do your interview, it's probably the best you'll ever see them. Like, they're going to be dressed to the T. They're going to have all the answers. They think that, you know, here's the, oh, that question I prepared for. I have this great answer. Let me pop that out real yeah. quick. Let me reference all of these things that I wrote down before, show you my resume, they want to be the candidate for you, right? But in that 90-day process, they're settling in. They're getting an understanding of what they took on. They know the people around them. They're getting comfortable. Mm-hmm. And then they either excel in that environment or this is not a fun place for me to really be in. I don't really like working like this or this hard or whatever. 
And then this other part turns on Mm -hmm. and it's the part of like, Oh my gosh, can't wait until today's done. You know? And so, and for some people, unfortunately exercise can be that way. Mm -hmm. You can get into something that you think you want to do and then go through it and go, you know, this just isn't that exciting. It's not, it's not really resonating with me. It's not my cup of tea. It's not whatever. And you may find another form of exercise that does it different. You know, in my house, my wife loves to run. I hate running with a passion. I hate running with a passion. If I want to get somewhere three miles down the road, it's much faster to do it in four wheels. <laughs> you know, I just, I don't. And, but I also know my body tells me that that's mm-hmm. not a good exercise for me. I spent 30 years on concrete floors on my knees you know, pounding them a few times on asphalt for three miles, just, you know, it doesn't do wonders. Mm-hmm. Great shoes, great socks, everything else. But my body is telling me like, you know, man, 50s, 50s, uh, not feeling too good for you in this particular deal. But I can go to, uh, you know, I was telling you before, I take another class where a part of that class is running on a treadmill. Again, I hate running. I still hate running. Even on a treadmill, I hate running. And this treadmill's nice and bouncy, and I like that, and it makes my legs feel a little bit better. But I still hate running. And in the tail end of it, I'm kind of looking at it going, okay, I don't ache as bad, but I definitely don't ache as bad 100 classes in as I did at class one. And so some of that is also, like you were saying, is like just commit this amount of time. You may hate it right now, but commit to this amount of time mm-hmm. And if you still hate it, man, thanks for participating. We'll talk to you later. And if you love it, then again, you become a story to somebody else whose day one is hate and never be back and can't do and all the negative. And then all of a sudden at whatever day 60, you know, class 60, you know, whatever it is that all of a sudden they can tell that story of like, listen, some of this is just toughing it out. Mm-hmm. You know, it's going to be hard. There's never, there's, you know, the one thing I'm sure in a yoga class is we don't say, this will be the easiest you've ever done. You know, because again, like I said, I have not heard of anybody taking a yoga class that said in their first class, like, <laughs> dude, that was super simple, you know. So I do want to go back because I think we missed on this. Benefits, mm-hmm. again, we were in yep. there. So I want to go back to hot yoga. Yep. I'm ready. We we're talking about, you know, the flexibility and all of these things that happen in regular yoga. But people who hear hot yoga, the first thought that they have, if they've never done it, is just, okay, so basically what you do is turn the temperature up and I'm going to sweat my butt off and we're going to do the same stuff. So I'll let you kind okay. of, I'll let you educate a little bit here and kind of uh, uh, talk about what the benefits are of hot yoga. So uh, the obvious thing is your skin is your biggest organ. So we know, we all know that. So let me first describe what it looks like. So hot yoga is set around about 105 degrees. And so you need to get over that, that stigma of, oh my God. Um, so it's 105 degrees, but what we're doing is we also have heated classes that come in at 85. So there's really nice, you know, let's try these. Maybe this is kind of your entry point. But I had a lady last night, first hot yoga class ever, 105 degrees. She's 64 years old. Wow. And it, at the end, she said, okay, how do I get more of this? It was <laughs> the most, and I went home and I said, you're not going to believe this. It was the most beautiful thing. So hot yoga has a very distinct purpose. Now, there are some folks, like I said in the beginning, they only come for hot yoga. That's their thing. And, and they're still going to get the benefit of the mind, body, spirit piece, no matter if it's heated or not. Right. And there's some that will never take a hot yoga class, same benefit. 
But what hot yoga does is it creates this environment. And I think it's one of the most symbiotic kind of relationships because the way I describe it is my exhales are creating more humidity and more heat for you. (laughs) And so while the temperature on the thermostat still says 105, just the air, me getting out whatever I need to get out is making your practice better. Right. And so typically hot yoga, um, no matter where you go in the United States, most hot yoga studios have had some kind of connection back to what we call Bikram yoga. Mm-hmm. There's a man a long time ago. That's what he started, copyrighted kind of thing. And But he was on to something. Not all of, of how he did it, in my opinion, was the right way. His is very almost dogmatic. Very, you do this. You don't stop and get a drink. You don't, you know, towel off. You just power through. Right. So that piece, I don't, I don't bring that, <clears throat> excuse me, to what we're doing. But what he found is that if when you have a set sequence, so 26 postures, there's 26 different things, and you can pick and choose what your 26 are going to be. If you have the same set of sequence and people know what's coming, so that like last night I said, okay, guys, tree is next, and everybody knows that tree is your favorite posture at this point because there's a resting point right after that. So when you know what's coming, the heat is not nearly as much of a, you know, a mind block right. because I'm, I'm comfortable to know, oh, my God, like we're halfway, or I know what's next. Because typically in a yoga class, whatever comes next is kind of based on our own creativity that day and what we're feeling. But in a hot class, same sequence of postures. Mm. So there's a comfort to that. So you come in 105 degrees and you do. I mean, you said you sweat your butt off. You do. Yeah. It is the most, and you're going to laugh, I think it is one of the most transformational spiritual things you can ever experience. And the way I described it, I just said it last night, um, you know, when you're sweating, you're leaving the crap out. Like whatever your body has chosen to get rid of. I mean, it's doing it naturally, you know, biologically, whatever you need to sweat out, that's, those are the toxins that are happening. But depending on how we're cueing you, what we're saying, what kind of music we're playing, what we're talking about with you throughout that class, it's also helping you to sweat out the inside stuff. Whatever burdens you've carried in, whatever your own internal crap you've dealt with, not just the crap of the toxins, Um, but whatever you brought in and some of us, it's the little frustrations, you know, it was the traffic before you got there or the, you know, the, the fight with your spouse before you came in, or it's the long, deep seated stuff. But when you can set that aside, sweat it out the way I always describe, and I'll say this every hot class I've ever taught at the very end, when we're about to leave our mat and get up and the cold cloth has come and life is good again. And we're about to leave. I tell people, you're not going to pick up that crap, that burden, that whatever it is, any more than you're going to pick up that sweat. Right. You've left it. So you leave it there and you go out lighter. Now you're still going to have to deal with whatever happened with your spouse. You're still going to have to take care of the trauma that you've had in your background or whatever your things are, or the financial troubles that you're having. Yoga doesn't make those things go away. But if you can lighten your spirit, lighten your load, when you walk off that mat, it's like, okay, I can do this. And the way I describe hot yoga is you feel like you want to die and change the world all at the same time. It is truly, and until you've taken the class, you're like, yeah, 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 whatever. If you've ever run a marathon, and again, I'm not a runner like you, and that is not my thing. Right. But if you've ever experienced that same high, like, oh my God, I want to drop dead right now, but yeah. I could like rock the world. I could change things right now with the energy that I feel. It's interesting that you use that comparison because most runners that you'll talk to will say, you know, when you get going, you feel pretty good. You're kind of working into a, a rhythm, right? Mm-hmm. And then that rhythm starts coming. But there's this moment at the in, the, in that rhythm. I think a lot of them will tell you, it, you know, my, my wife runs mostly half marathons. And she'll tell you it's usually around mile marker eight. You start kind of sensing some, some something's coming. Like, 
that that rhythm I can tell is trying to change. Mm-hmm. And then you're at eleven. I think she says it's usually like ten or eleven, and your body is now like, hey. I don't really want to do a whole lot more now. <laughs> like this is, this would be perfectly okay if you just decided right now just to stop mm-hmm. and walk and go sit down and give me some water and some food. That'd be awesome, right? But to what you were saying earlier, you're talking about the tree post. Your body also is alerting you to these things, but your mind is going, okay, well, now I know, but based yeah, on doing this, yeah. yeah, I've done this long enough to know that I am at mile between mile 10 and exactly. 11. Let me look at my watch, see where I'm, oh yeah, I'm at 11. So I only have two and a half miles left to go here, 2.2, whatever it is, right. 2.3. I don't know. I'm a 0.0 guy. That part's pretty easy to remember. (laughs) So when they get to that moment, though, it is this hard push through. Like, you understand that you're on the backside and your body is working against that. Your body is almost like trying to outdo what your brain is telling it to do. It's sitting there going, yeah, I know you want me to do this, but I really don't want to do this. And it becomes kind of this you know, you have to develop a mental strength mm-hmm. to understand, like, I know my body's capable. I've been here multiple times. I've done this plenty of times. I know that this is where it's going to be hard. I know that this is where the challenge is going to be. And as a lot of coaches will tell you, you have to tell your body what to do. Like your body's going to try and tell you what it wants to do, but you're going to have to tell your body what to do. So in the realm of going through yoga and you get to that, that, that pose, you're sitting there going, Oh, okay. Well, this will be easier for me because I know I'm going to get mm-hmm. this little break here at the deal. Or I, like you said, I know I'm at the halfway mark. So it's halfway over. That first half didn't seem as long as I thought mm-hmm. it was going to be. But again, you're st- it's, it's the battle. It's going up and down. I think when you're in there, the first part of it is, is just showing up, right? Like just yeah. be here. I mean, that's, that's most of the battle right there. Right. Once you're there and you're going, okay, I'm here. Let's let's see how this goes. Mm-hmm. But then when you get into it, and if it's your first class, just the idea of going, okay, I don't know that you can prep anybody. It's like you were saying, like this is how you're going to feel after you're, you know, after you get done mm-hmm. with the class. I don't know that you can prep anybody for a first class, just like you can't prep anybody for a first run that long. And their body will kind of tell them everything they need to know. But at the end of it, it's like crossing this finish line yeah. where you're like, man, I wanted to quit so many times. I didn't think I could do these things. And here I am. Check one done in the bank and Give we're ready more. to roll. Yeah. yeah, that wasn't as bad as I thought. And what happens is, is the good in all of that overtakes those those low valleys of negative that's mm-hmm. in there. You understand they're coming. You understand the challenge mm-hmm. is going to be there. And if it doesn't challenge you, it doesn't transform you either. I mean, if it were all easy, then you would just have a line of people waiting to do it all day long. <clears throat> there are people that you know have to be cut out to do things in the martial arts world. We say that only 1% of who starts will stick to go forward to be a black belt, all right? Uh, that sounds like a you know extremely low number, and it is, because as you continue up, a lot of people, and, and I saw this through 40 years, is they would reach their black belt level, and it was like, oh, I've arrived, and they quit. And so they put in whatever, four years, five years to get to this point, depending on where you come from, what your style is, um, 
and they they've it's almost like a finish line of just like oh i finished and the realm there with martial arts is you're never finished there's no such thing as like you've learned it all you've done it all there's nothing else we can teach you or show you it is this ongoing process it's how someone like me can be 40 years into the arts and still today go i don't know dear what there is to learn but what really is interesting is is as that challenge and transformation happens and you reach these goals then all of a sudden you realize oh well there's more past this and the stuff that's past this is way deeper than this stuff that was Mm -hmm. over here like here in the beginning i'm just learning the physical more once i get to here a lot of this is more mental it's more training teaching Mm -hmm. how to get others to do so a lot of it is really kind of mirrored up with what you're referring to but it is kind of that same deal if you're starting into yoga and you're doing these things you're learning poses you're learning terminology you're learning background you're learning the why right but then like you were saying people who then go on to do the the teaching part getting hours up underneath their belt aren't necessarily doing that so that they can go back and teach they're doing that for their own purpose of like what's the what's the behind all of this what's the What's the message? What's the deal of why do I love coming here and torturing mm-hmm. myself in 105 degree heat and sweating it all out? You know, the, the, the journey looks different for different mm-hmm. people. And the baggage that they carry also creates the journey differently. You know, if I carry a lot of baggage in, man, I, I am sure you have probably seen it all. You've probably seen breakdowns right there on a mat, right? And you and know, people ask after, okay, well, where are the tears? Why, why the tears? Where did yeah, they come from? Yeah, I mean, I'm like, if I'm in there working out, it's my first class, and the you know, the girl next to me is like bawling or crying. I'm over here, like, oh my gosh, what did, what did I just step off into? You know, but the longer the process, the longer you stick with it, the more you understand that the release for people is different and it looks different on different scales. The release for people when they make an accomplishment, when you watch people cross a finish line at a race, sometimes it's man, throw your hands up in the air and you're hooting and hollering. But other times it is sheer collapse, Mm -hmm. you know, and tears. Yeah. And just like, you know, just, just this complete, eruption of emotion that happens right there so it's different strokes for different folks based on what it is they carried in and what it is that they feel that it you know they left behind to carry out you know so if you pick up a new individual along the way and carry out well that's in your benefit you know if you're a better person because of the exercising that you're doing whether that's yoga whether that's martial arts whether that's running every single individual that commits to a field we'll call it commits to it and will tell you that there is something beyond just the exercise that keeps them plugged into Mm -hmm. it right like a runner will tell you like i just go out and clear my head and i don't think about anything other than running and it's not just necessarily that i've I've found myself i I told my in-laws one time when i used to go to their place out in the country once I got settled in, I'd go out and grab their ride-on mower and just go mow their yard. And they're like, what in the world is going on? I'm like, you know why I like mowing your yard on this mower is I don't think about anything mm-hmm. other than is my line straight. 
Yeah. I'm not thinking about work. I'm not thinking about all the crap that came into my day that day. I'm just sitting there looking at it going, is my line straight? Right. I, do, I say that when people get into a plank or a headstand. Yeah. Like, try being mad at your husband while you're doing a headstand. Yeah. It's, it's not possible. That's, yeah. Because you're so focused on breathing. Yeah. That that's, that's all that matters. Yeah. Uh, and I would also think in your, in your line that it's got to be great to see people accomplish something that in the beginning they mm-hmm. told you flat out, like, I can't do this. Mm-hmm. Right. I think of the first time I ever did a handstand push up on the wall. The very first, the first thought is my arms are going to give out and I'm going to snap my neck and I'm going to be a quadriplegic after this is all done. And all because I wanted to flip my feet up above my head. Mm-hmm. And then you, you, you know, you start it and you don't, you know, first class, I never got my feet on the wall. Got about 45 degrees up off the ground. I kicked up a few times. I'm like, no, today's not the day. Come back a couple of classes later. We're doing it again. All right, I'll try it again. I'm a little, I'm a couple of degrees further along from that. And then the the first time my foot ever touches the wall, I'm like, hit the wall. And I instantly, my body reaction is get on your feet. So it touches the wall. And then I start like cartwheeling off the wall to the, the right so that I can get my foot back onto the ground because my body is telling me like, your feet don't belong up mm-hmm. here. Right. And then eventually there comes a point where feet go up on the wall balances and all that great but hey man i got it up there for two seconds or three seconds and then it's 10 seconds and then it's 30 seconds and then it's now all of a sudden it's like okay you did great now you're doing a handstand on the wall but what we want you to do is a handstand push Push up up on the wall so we want you to take all of your body weight and push it up and the very first thing on the handstand push-up, I think my elbows literally just bent like two degrees and then just went back out again. And I was like, ooh, that's scary, you know. And then next time it's a little deeper. Next time it's a little deeper. And then you finally get one off. And you're there's something that happens when you do it right once that your body, you, all of a sudden, all the stuff that you told yourself, like, I'm going to break my neck and I'm going to injure myself. And all of a sudden you're like, that, I can do this. Mm-hmm. And then your body all of a sudden does what your mind tells it to do. Yeah. yeah, it's crazy. And so I'm sure you get to witness that probably almost daily, I would think. Oh, my gosh, yes. You know, of somebody just sitting there going, I didn't ever think I was going to be able to do this. Or this was as good as it was going to get for me when I started doing it. And then all of a sudden, magically. And every now and then, um, especially folks, I've had some of the same students for the last several years. And I'll, I'll snap a picture. And then I won't tell them that I've snapped. They don't even know that because they're looking down there wherever. 30 days later, we'll do that posture again. I'll snap another one, and then mm. I'll send it. I'll say, look at this. Just look. Look at the difference. Look what your arm was doing this time. Yeah. And they're like, oh, my God. When, when did you take this? I just Because you've been with me long enough, I've seen so much part. I wanted you to see. I wanted you to see what your back looks like here and here. And they are just flabbergasted at the progress that they're making. And it's not about mastering a pose. It's about aligning the hips or lengthening the spine or whatever the, the focus is. But they're just amazed at Okay, that is me. I can do this. How often do you take people in who come in with maybe an injury? Or they've been injured in the past? Often. Okay. Um, Like I've got a really good friend who started to take classes with us on a regular basis um, who says he needs a shoulder replacement. Mm. 
And doctors have said that, and maybe he needs two, but he'll tell you it's from football injuries, but way back in high school, he's in his forties now. And there's just certain range of motion that he can't get to. And so he'll get to that point, he'll hold. And so I've learned that we use a lot of props in yoga. We use blocks and blankets and straps and things. And so helping him to understand, okay, if you'll try this with this, Mm -hmm. you can still have some flexibility in your chest without overextending your shoulder. Because in his mind, it's just limited him. And so there's certain things that he can't do. I've taught yoga to a guy that um, had one leg. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and just watching him navigate and do things, you know, I've taught, you name it, there's, we all have them, True. you know, my bad knee, my bad, whatever, you know, whatever it is, um, just helping people to see that, yes, physically there's a limitation somewhere, but there are other ways you can get benefit for yourself without letting that piece limit you. Yeah. Or your body will figure out a way to work around it when it's at a yes, disadvantage somewhere yep. else. Mm-hmm. Like it will overcompensate in another area to ensure that if they're undercompensating here because Mm -hmm. of whether it's a physical injury, whether it's a loss of a particular body Mm -hmm. part or whatever, your body will magically figure out a way around it Mm -hmm. or a different way to do it. (laughs) But the benefit is still the same. Yep. So, well, awesome. So let's talk finally about outlook. I mean, you started this thing up, you, you know, two and a half months in, man, you just, you hit the number that you're looking for. You've got a grand open. It's going to happen. By the time this thing airs, you'll already be grand opened up on the hot mm-hmm. side. But, you know, you're, you're looking at another new spectrum of the business. Mm-hmm. Where do you see yourself, let's say by the end of the year with the hot studio opening up and everything else, what are your hopes and then let's talk about three, maybe three years down the road. Mm-hmm. What do you envision Bridge Yoga looking like to the community and to your students that are committed to you right now? Okay. So first, let me kind of tell you where Bridge came from. Okay. Um, so in yoga, in life, um, but in yoga, you learn, you have subtle energies all throughout your body. They're, they're there, whether you understand it, whether you want to believe it, they're there. And there's a term for that, your chakras. And so we've got these chakras, which are these subtle energies up and down the midline of your body. Well, they're all over, but there's seven main ones. And you have some that are more physically connected, like the root of your spine. You've got a, a will of energy and it's, it's, it helps you feel stable, helps you feel grounded. Well, the one that's in the center of your chest is your heart chakra. And the, the Sanskrit word for it is anahata. And so when I first decided, okay, we're going to do this, we're going to open a studio. I told John, I said, oh my gosh, I want to call it Anahata Yoga. He's like, Kelly, we live in the South. <laughs> we cannot name this place some Sanskrit word. He said, so ta- he said, and he's very, you know, um, literal in his head, very strategic in his thinking. He's like, talk to me about it. Tell me. So I did. And he said, so it's the bridge. I said, yeah, Anahata is the bridge between the physical energy and the spiritual emotional energy. He's like, what about the bridge yoga? And I went, and I even, I get goosebumps now just thinking, I mean, this non-yoga guy talking me into this. And I'm like, oh my God, that's it. And I had said all along, I wanted it to be at the Bryan College Station border. Mm. I wanted something to bridge the two communities. Nice. Uh, so that number one, it's accessible financially in a spot where, you know, my rent's not keeping me to have to, you know, cause crazy high membership rates. I wanted something accessible to students who basically live in a very small area right. for the most part. And I wanted, my daughter lives in Bryan. And I wanted her, she said, my mom, I'm driving to South College Station. We need something close to me. And so right there. And when this spot opened up on university, I said, you know what? There's the bridge geographically. Yep. And then I wanted something that is a bridge between what you think you're capable of and what you truly have the potential and purpose to do in your life. And so we can bridge that. So that's really how this came to be. 
And so we have this, this one studio, and by the time you guys hear this, we'll have two, and um, serving those pieces, you know, a bridge to the community, a bridge to your, your energies. And now I want something to go beyond the physical studio. I really want us to take what we're doing in the studio into the community more. Um, and so my vision, and it's already happening again, doors are just opening. Um, we're going to start teaching classes for some different employee groups at A&M uh, in, within the next two weeks. My goal is to take yoga out wherever people want it to, to come. I have one instructor who, um, she's brand new coming into me. I've known her for, for a few years, and her passion is taking yoga to adults with disabilities. That's what she does in her, her professional life, and um, she's been working with the Down Syndrome uh, Society here in our, our area, and her goal is to take yoga there. Because a lot of people, I don't care who you are, you're not going to walk in a studio. You know, a lot of us do, and it's a great place to come, and it's a great place to build community. But if you're not ready or willing or able to do that, let's bring it to you. Right. I want to come on your lunch break in your office where your employer, because there are employers that allow this, that, you know what, we're going to pay somebody to come in, go do yoga for an hour on your lunch break. Right. Go do yoga at five o'clock when you get off. And if more groups would, would buy into that, then, or we'll pay for the space, you guys all pitch in, pay for the instructor. I don't really care what it looks like. We want to get yoga out of the studio. Right. More community-based. Um, I taught when we were still in a little bit of the COVID stuff. I was teaching out at Veterans Park on Sunday afternoons, a group of football boys. I had one mom who said, hey, can you help us with this? He's going to start going to football camps. We're looking at colleges. Help us. They started bringing athletes, football boys. I had baseball boys. I had a fisherman in there. I had all these different kids in these different sports coming on Sunday afternoon to take yoga. And I thought, you know what? We're on to something here. Because what are the chances that some high school boy is going to walk into a studio with a bunch of grown-ups taking yoga? Right. But if I can bring it to them then all of a sudden, what I've already had to combat for all these years leading to adulthood, maybe we can prevent some of that for them. Sure. We can prevent injuries. We can give them mindfulness in their daily life. We can help them connect to whatever they need to connect to, just you know, with the breathing, the regulation, and do better in school or whatever their, their, their roles are. So my goal is that we extend what we're doing and we bridge ourselves out into the community, into neighborhoods, into workplaces, into wherever the need is, um, and help people find whatever it is that they're looking for in their life. Yeah, and coming to them, talking about, like, the athletes and things like that, especially high school athletes, the fact that, like, for a lot of those guys, maturity levels and things like that, you know, it probably starts off as a joke, and, mm -hmm. you know, the guys are all there with their friends, and then all of a sudden realize, like, oh, no, this is real. Yeah. You know, and now all of a sudden it becomes, again, their own little community within a community is just the fact that they're athletes and they have a sport combination that's kind of put them together here and the yoga part of that as well too. Yeah. And so again, you know, great opportunity bringing that to them where also comfortability right. is met at the idea. Cause just, just opening the door and crossing into a studio is tough for a lot of people. Uh, especially if they don't know what's on the other side of the door that they're right. getting into. And then you're trapped for yeah. an hour or for yeah. whatever. Yeah. yeah. Well, and uh, you know, what it, what am I going to get out of this? At the mm -hmm. end of all of this, man, I was like, everybody going to put me in the center of a circle and put a hand on me. And they're all like, oh, we're so glad you're here. Yeah. You know, so, I mean, you just, you know, the fear of just starting mm -hmm. is really what holds a lot of people back from finding a healthier lifestyle. Right. You know, but it is, unfortunately, in, in most of it, it is them taking the step forward. Mm -hmm. If you can bring it into an environment that they're comfortable in. Right that step makes it a lot easier. And especially if you can do it around people that you're already comfortable and familiar with, 
right. it makes it even easier as mm-hmm. well too so let's talk about how people are going to be able to get a hold of you and be able to come and find you because with two locations here in town and who knows when the third will show up at the rate <laughs> you're going man we might have a third in by the end <laughs> by of the Christmas, year Christmas, i know so let's talk about how they can find you so the bridge yoga they go online and find you at the bridge yoga bcs.com right on there you also have information about class schedules you have instructor information so everybody can kind of mm-hmm. look in and kind of see what instructors so uh, each one of your classes shows what's instructor mm-hmm. or what instructor is taking those plus remember those are virtual as well so you're going to kind of if i'm starting for the first time and maybe i'm just you know reading through bios and kind of looking mm-hmm. at instructors I can kind of get an idea of, okay, well, this person kind of looks nice. Let me go take their class, you know, or this person is somebody maybe that I know through somebody else. Because one thing about instructors, class instructors and everything else is these guys have connections Mm -hmm. back through other people, right? Or maybe a mutual friend of someone else. Um, if they're coming to the site, they want to come in and try. And I, I definitely want to, I want to end off and let you talk about kind of the specials that mm-hmm. you can talk about that are coming up here. Uh, but if they want to come to the main studio, which is regular yoga, it's not going to be 105 when you yeah. walk in. That's 702 University Drive East, mm-hmm. and that's Suite 102 D is in dog, right. right? Right behind Golden Corral is what I tell everybody, because that seems to be a landmark in College well, Station. Yeah, everybody will know where the Golden <laughs> Corral is at. And then if they want to do hot yoga, hot yoga is at 505 University Drive East, Suite 801. That's your hot location. Mm-hmm. And so one's behind Golden Corral. Where's that one? It's behind where Fox and Hound used to be. Okay, yeah. Right there in that, that shopping center. So Got it. Almost down toward university, yeah, or toward the university. You've picked two locations that most everybody, if you live in Bryan exactly. College Station, you're going to you know, know exactly those, right. where those are at. Uh, and then if they want to call, they want to reach back out to you mm-hmm. guys, they can reach at 979-485-9190. That's right. Correct? Don't necessarily have to ask for Kelly Norgard. No, they I mean, don't. they can ask for whoever's on yeah. the phone. So. So let's talk about, uh, we'll end this thing off with some specials that you've got coming to kind of give people an opportunity to come Mm -hmm. and try out the bridge so that they can see if it's something that's going to work for them. So what do you got on the plate here? So we tell people the first class is free. So you come, you show up. Um, And a lot of people come in, they're like, hey, how much we'll pay? No, just try this. Just try it. Then at the regular studio, the main, we're calling it main and hot. So the main studio, um, which is about 31 classes plus five meditations a week. Um, you can do a pass. It's called the 10 days for $10. So you can take any classes over there, 10 days, $10. You can try, try anything you want to try. Um, then we've got some passes over at the hot studio. You can get a four class pass, try four times. You can get an eight class pass, 12. So that way you've got some options. Sure. The classes at the, the hot studio are a little more, they're more limited because it's a smaller space. Right. The main studio is a much bigger, about a thousand square feet total. The other one is a little more boutique. So we limit them to 12 people in a room. Okay. Um, and so we, you know, it's a little bit different over there, but you've got chances to try for, you know, just a, a one little commitment between now and, um, toward the end of the summer, we're running special. So you come in, we're going to give you a discount off. We've got semester passes, like buy one, get one half price. If you're, you know, two students. Um, and then we've got, of course, memberships. And right. if you're going to come, what I tell people is if you're going to come five times in a month, so once a week plus something, the better deals, the membership, the class <clears throat> passes, I'd love you to keep buying them because that's going to make me more money. Sure. But the membership is a better deal because it's unlimited. Right. You can get a membership to the bridge, the main studio, which is going to get you 31 classes, five meditations a week, virtual, Zoom, recorded, live, all of it. Um, you can also get a membership just hot. And same thing, you're going to get those hot classes every single week, the unlimited however many you want to take. 
you get a membership that gets you both. And it really, it's not like you take the two and add them together. It's a, it's a pretty good deal. You get a membership, both places. You've got access to both of them. The cool thing about memberships is there's more benefits. You get to bring two visitors a month. And so you get two guest passes. Mm. It can be the same person twice. It can be uh, different people. I've even had folks who are like, hey, my daughter wants to try it, but I can't come today. Sign her up. And so people that are connected to you, if you want them to try it, you get two of those a month. Because the idea is we need to give this out to more people. Sure. And so there's lots of chances. Um, you know, you tell me what you want. We're going to figure out a plan that works for you. Well, in the 10 days, $10, I mean, you're, you're, you might as well be free. I mean, yep. you know, you're paying for maybe a bottle of water there yep. or something like that. But I mean, that, that opportunity in and of itself, like if you're like, okay, well, I'll commit to a few more classes other than one, knowing uh-huh. that the first one's going to be free. Is again a great opportunity for somebody to come in and really, right. you're going to know after 10 classes, you're going to know if you like it, don't like it or whatever. Right. Uh, what do I need to bring if I'm showing up for class or whatever? What do I need to bring? Technically nothing. We've got mats you can borrow. You don't have to pay to use them. You can just borrow those. They're not, no, the fancy, all amazing mats. They don't have my name embroidered on them. They are, they are free for you to use. But typically I tell people bring a mat that's that, that you have bought for yourself. That's got some good texture on it. So you feel like you've got some grip for your feet and for your hands. Um, bring a bottle of water. If you're coming to the hot studio, bring a big bottle of water and a, and a towel. Right. Um, but really and truly, that's it. There's not an outfit that you've got to wear. There's not certain brand names you got to have. Just come in something comfortable that you can move your body, stretch, and not feel like you're constricted. And that's yeah. it. So, I mean, this, again, and it's centrally located, so there's really not a place that you're going to be at where it's not where it's too right, far. virtually yeah. almost in the middle of town for you to be able to get to. So whether you're in Bryan, whether you're in College Station, you'll be able to roll up there and be able to try Kelly's team over there to see if that's something that's going to work for you. Uh, you get, you basically made it super easy. I think if not anything, a lot of the times when people are looking at memberships, one of the things that they tend to look at is that first dollar amount they look at tends to be like, Whoa. But then if you really think about what you get, Mm -hmm. what you're looking to commit to, and you break that down, I mean, in most places, those classes are less than $5 a piece, if not cheaper, you know? So when you start, you know, you were talking about, I heard you listening, you were listing off 31 classes, right? And so I'm sitting there because I know what your monthly is. So I was kind of doing the math in my head and I'm sitting there going like, you're like at four bucks a class, you know, I mean, and so an opportunity to go in at $4 for an hour is an hour. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, come on. I mean, let's, let's go here. I mean, right. this, and we this, start at five forty-five in the morning. We go to eight thirty at night. So it's like there's, there's lunchtime classes. Right. I mean, there's something for everybody's yeah. schedule. I mean, you're going to be, you're going to be there for, and you know, again, the virtual is one of those deals with a part of the membership. You also get the on-demand mm-hmm. part for the portal. I mean, there's, there's really, there's nothing that you're going to be able, that's going to be standing in your way here. That's going to basically be able to say, oh, I just can't do that. Right. You know? So, uh, you've basically made it accessible for anybody and everybody to be able to so. dip their toe in the water and hopefully find something that, again, that resonates with them, makes them a part of the community, continues to grow your business. You know, we said, you know, pre-show going in here, our, our piece of running this podcast and bringing businesses on, small businesses like The Bridge, is to show people that there are small businesses in town that really, quite honestly, probably do it better than large corporation, large franchise that you know, you, listen, you are the one that has to go out, kill it, drag it, bring it home, pay the bills, pay the rent, pay the heater bill that, you know, in the hot, in the hot work studio. I mean, all, <laughs> all of the stuff that goes with this. 
and your money is also staying local. It's being reinvested back in. It's potentially being reinvested back into other locations, mm-hmm. you know, for you to have the ability to bring this to other people in town. And so these small businesses, as they continue to either pop up and start or they're recovering from where they are, we want to make sure that we're trying to plug people into these opportunities. And there's been lots of great things that have popped up to identify small businesses in town. COVID was really kind of a great way for a lot of people locally Mm -hmm. to find small businesses that they didn't even know existed on the map, you know, so while word of mouth works great, while it's great to have these websites and everything else, I always find it of great value to bring them here to the table and to have a conversation about it so people get to hear, okay, who's running this show? What's their thoughts? You know, what do they expect? You know, and then that way, people who, you know, it's you don't want your community to be built just on people who know you. I mean, your community gets built on people that you bring in, that you get to know, and they get right. to know who you and your staff are. And then they become, again, the calling card as they walk out and a part of the the culture that is yoga that gets pushed out into the community that you want to see grow. Mm-hmm. So we're just, uh, we're happy that you blessed us with your time to come in today. I love that you came in. The first thing you did is like snap your shoes off. <laughs> snap, I, I was going to do the same thing, but you know, again, I don't know that I get into the pose that you were in in yeah. the chair there. So but yeah, I mean, you did a fantastic job coming in and talking about the business. We're just so happy that you blessed us with your with your uh, time to come in and talk about the bridge. Uh, we pray that everything kind of goes out here. By the time this is out, you know, students, if you're in, listen, school's stressful as it is. Yeah. You know, so this is another great opportunity just as a decompression point of, of everything that you got to deal with with going to school. You know, taking time, building a community just even outside of school. Right. You know, building a community somewhere else that you can lean into, go in, get it all out, leave it on the mat. Listen, if you need to come to how many classes do you have in a day? Like, you know, like nine on Mondays. That's our biggest day. Yeah, man, I mean, yeah. nine classes in a day. You want to stay there all day yeah. and knock it all out on the do floor. It all. You do it. You get your membership and knock it out. Yep. So, uh, but it's a great opportunity for people to plug in and really find out what yoga really is about. Don't find it out on Netflix special. Don't find it out on, definitely don't find it out on the internet. There's a lot of stuff on the internet. We don't want you to find out about you. Go check it out for yourself and see if this is something that fits and works for you. And again, Kelly's going to be there to kind of help guide you and to walk you through the process and make you feel as comfortable as possible. Everybody has a day one. That's right. Everybody has a day one. So don't, uh, don't let the fear stop you from driving over and opening the door and seeing what it's all about. So, again, thank you for coming out today and sharing thank your you time with us. Thank you for letting me be here. So grateful to have you in there and grateful to have you as a part of the community. And we know that great things are going to be coming from the Bridge Yoga over there. And, again, if you guys are looking to reach out to them, Kelly Nor- Norgard is what we – what we want to see as what the face of yoga is going to continue to grow here in the Bryan College Station area. So thank you very much. Thank so you grateful for, that. for you coming in. All right. I appreciate Guys, it. Guys, we appreciate you joining us for another episode, and we look forward to talking to you in the future. Have a great day.